0: for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals.
1: Hi, my name is Francisco Valentin. Today I'm going to share with you a series of live experiences I had with death, near death, out of body, and spirit communication with the other side. So, buckle up because I'm going to take you to a journey to the other side and back to see if we can remember what we never forgot in the first place, but had kept buried for lack of support. So, here's my story. It all started one summer day, 1979, when at the young age of barely turning 18, and due to a fatal car crash, I died. If you see the image of the car, to give you a point of reference, as I shared that image with you, that I was the driver of that car, I was in the driver's seat, and the driver door ended up by the center console of the car. When I shared that image with, uh, for a rehearsal for a previous interview, one of the executives who saw the picture of the car, he stopped the conversation and he said, in my 25 years of experience as a California Highway Patrol sergeant, I've never seen anyone surviving this accident. How did you? At which I candidly replied, I didn't. And after a few laps, he continued and he said, that car accident must have happened at no less than 60 miles an hour. And the impact, the side impact would have dragged you over 10 feet. So you can imagine with that expression, the magnitude of the car accident and how people cannot believe how I'm still alive. However, all I can remember is being in the driver's seat, I have to admit, we were young and foolish and I was uh, speeding. And while, when I lost control of my car, I froze. And as I froze, and when I mean I froze, it means that I stepped my foot on the accelerator. I did not let go. I held the steering wheel very tightly as I froze. And I do remember when I lost control of the car and I hit the medium, where the medium, and I will never forget the impact of the car frame, hitting the median as I catapulted to the opposite lane. And when I jumped to the opposite lane, I sidewiped another car, which made me spin. And when I stopped spinning, I got hit from the side. Of course, I didn't see it coming, and I do the last thing I remember is this movement here as I received the impact, and that's when I went into the void. When I say the void, I don't mean the void up there in the cosmos, like some people believe. It's the void where nothing exists, there's nothing around total darkness, total emptiness. And I was in the midst of that environment without a physical body. I knew that I was me. I knew that I was myself. I didn't turn into anything else like some people believe. And I realized that I was myself all alone. As I was myself, and I was in the midst of all this, I asked myself three questions. Who am I? Who's my father? And who's my mother? Now I know what those questions were. Those questions basically were, who am I? Where I came from? What am I doing here? And I don't recall having received any answer. Not at least not at that point. When suddenly I saw, and when I say I saw, I don't mean that I saw with my physical eyes, and it's not something that you can understand as being uh, seen something. It's just the way perception works in such a way that you can interpret so you can put it into words, so you can register it in your human mind. And that perception of seeing something is the one that made me look at that dim light as it started approaching me. And as that dim light approached me, I began to realize that there was something within that light, and it was more than one. As that light started approaching me, and let's say that I'm here, it began to swirl around me in a clouded, wise way. And I realized that at that moment I was being surrounded by what many can call spiritual beings. And they gave me a peace and love, but I rather call it peace. Because love is conditional. Even when someone said, oh, this is unconditional love. No, it's it's conditional. For example, a parent, unconditional love to the children, it is conditional to being the child because otherwise you will love equally your neighbor. So I rather call it peace. And it's a peace that has no definition. There's no way that I can express or compare or give any analogy that will... If I try to give a definition to that peace it will sh- fall short of its trueness and everyone everyone that i have asked about and talked about and and have heard me say the same thing every everyone who has had a near death experience has to agree with me it cannot be explained and while i was in that peace i remember wanting to see one of those entities surrounding me. I mean, this is the curiosity within oneself. When you see a moving object and you wanted to see that image, you turn your face with that image to get a closer look. And that's what it seems like I did. And at that moment, I turned myself to trying to see that figure and then I realized that there was a like kind of a phase which I could not describe, but we made contact. It was an awareness, it was an acknowledgement that uh, we're here. I tried to depict that image to share with you if it's possible, and I kind of tweak an image so you can have a point of reference of what that image looked like. When suddenly, I felt a higher presence, I want to call higher presence because it was like a cloud that overtook everything around me, including those beings that were swirling around me. And it was a magnificent power, magnificent in a nice way, in a good way. But it was a presence that I never wanted to call it God, don't know why, I mean, didn't know, know why, but and now I know why. And the last thing I remember was suddenly I felt myself getting into like a funnel, getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And as it kept getting narrower, I began to feel the body ache. And it became so unbearable in which at that point... I just couldn't take it anymore because of the intensity of the pain. I took my first breath, opened my eyes, and someone was taking me out of my car. I know because I remember the edge of the windshield of the passenger side when I was being extracted and then I was laid down on the floor. Just to give you a point of reference, the accident took place around 4 p.m., and I was rescued at approximately 6 p.m. How do I know? Because it was already kind of dusk. It was a summer day in my hometown, my little island of Puerto Rico. That's in the Caribbean. So in summer, Caribbean, 6 o'clock, you start getting dark. And I did not get uh, to the hospital uh, on to surgery until 9 p.m. based on the information that I gathered. The details of the accident, how it occurred, and how I end up in the hospital is is very complex, and that's something that I had to reconstruct throughout the years, but I don't want to take you off course, so uh, let's stick to to the events that took place. I was in the hospital after surgery. I went into the intensive care unit for three days. I stayed in the hospital for 30 days, and it took me three months before I could walk again. For those interested in what happened in my physical body, I have multiple fractures on my pelvic bone. A metal strip from the driver's side broke and pierced through my ribs. I had multiple fractured ribs. That metal strip pierced my lung, making it collapse, It shattered my spleen beyond repair. It punctured my kidney, plus all the internal trauma and bleeding. After my recovery, when I tried to explain what happened to me, I was immediately shut down by my family, my friends, society, my culture, religion. I was born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school all my life. The only person that really listened to me was my mother, who claimed that the moment she saw me, I kept saying constantly how beautiful it was on the other side, and that I didn't want to come back, that I just didn't want to come back. I don't remember any of that, but I believe my mother. And she listened to me, but she had very little to say. So that's when I took upon myself, you know what? I'm going to take it to myself and take it to the grave. So I thought, hear me now. And that's when I took the liberty on my own to start reading every single book I could get a hold of. Because I was trying to find that spark to help me remember what I never forgot or what I couldn't put into words. And it worked like this. I took my first book, I went through it. No, this is not it. Took another one, no, it's not it. And another one, uh, maybe, but not quite. Let me remind you that that was back in 1979. There was no internet, the only thing that we could have Back then, was a public library and uh, a few bookstores. But I was able to get a hold of a few books trying to find what I could not get. So here's the lesson number one. Don't believe everything that you read. And I kept on with my life. I got married. I raised three beautiful children. And life was good and dandy until one day. The day was July 7, 2011, when approximately at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, a spirit of light manifested through my 20-year-old son's voice to remind me of an agreement that took place in 1979 in return for my life. But first, it answered all those questions I couldn't get a a real answer from humanity. And before it left, it granted me access to higher truth so I can finish my quest and begin my work. Let me clarify that when I say that a spirit of light manifested through my son's voice, what happened was that my 20-year-old son at the time went into a spiritual trance out of nowhere, which I will explain later on when the manifestation came in. And when higher truth manifested in me, it was like a live review. It was like uh, flashes of life experiences that came through me to help me realize all that had happened since the day I returned to that very date. And as higher truth kicked in, I got on this instant memory recall to ratify that I died in 1979, to ratify that there is life after death. But I was too young to understand. And at that moment was when I started reconstructing the series of events, which I can explain later on in great details, but this is not the forum for that. And as higher truth kept manifested in me, he gave me another glimpse at a memory recall when, in the year 2000, my mother, my dying mother, had a near death experience. And I saw her when she died. Let me explain. My mother was in the hospital because she had a brain tumor. And, uh, and she was about to be released from the hospital to go to the hospice to the last years because the, the brain tumor was uh, keep growing and there was nothing they could do about it. That evening, it was 8 o'clock, and the uh, visiting hours were already past, and we were ready to leave home. When my mother suddenly started convulsing profusely, so we called the doctor and the doctor happened to be making hospital calls. So he went to her, to her, he did all the probing that doctors do. So he asked us, me, my wife and my aunt to go outside. And he said, I expected this to happen because the brain tumor is uh, between one of the main arteries And as it kept growing, it was going to collapse that main artery. Her brain is not getting any oxygen. And she's about to die, Basan, within the next couple of hours. So we went back in the room. I mean, it was was already 8 8 p.m. We were not going to do anything. And we just waited for that solemn moment. And I held my mom's hand as she was convulsing. And I made some, let's call it mantra, which I'm not peculiar doing this, in which I said, I will give anything to be here with you. And she kept convulsing for one hour from eight to nine. And she kept convulsing from nine to 10. Two hours have gone by and she have not stopped convulsing. We, was, we were waiting for that moment, and that moment wasn't arriving. 10 turned to 11, 11 turning to midnight. At that moment, my analytical mind was telling me that this is impossible. No one can convulse for so many hours, nonstop. But she kept convulsing. By 1 a.m. her eyes were already crystallized. And she didn't stop convulsing. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., we never let go. We never went to sleep. We were just waiting for that solemn moment. 5 a.m., and when 6 a.m. came about, exactly at the precise moment that the sun started shining, she stopped convulsing. She opened her eyes, and she requested to go to the bathroom. At that moment, me, my wife, and my aunt, we were perplexed. We just felt like we have seen a ghost. But we didn't dare to say a word. So after she came from the bathroom, she wrote in the notepad, because she had a tracheotomy, for my wife and my aunt to please leave, and for me to please stay, which we complied. When I stayed, she wrote me a note, and she wrote, I'm sorry, my son, that I doubted you. Now I know the truth. Please call me a lawyer and all the legal arrangements that had to be done. And after all the 30 days went by and all the legal arrangements were done, she died, but not from the brain tumor but from asphyxiation. That was an event that I didn't see it as it was because I believe the medical world. I believe that things happen because that's what the doctor said when I asked what happened. And he said, those things usually happen. And another thing that cluttered my mind was the fact that when they called me, to tell me that my mother was sick. I knew that she died. And when I was driving to see her at the hospice, I felt like if I was being unplugged. And when I felt that unplugged, I realized and I said, wait a minute, all this time went by. My mother had a near-death experience and I never asked, I never asked what happened, where did you go, What? What? I didn't ask anything. That was because I was not supposed to ask. And now I realize with this life review that this was done for me to learn that there is divine intervention as I can ratify from firsthand experience. As higher truth kept manifesting in me, and now, now let me explain that this is not something that happened just like that. It just happened in a blink of a millisecond. All that realization of something that I had hidden in me that wasn't coming out because I wasn't ready or because I didn't believe. Whatever it was, it manifested, and as as it manifested, it made me realize that those events really happened. So I'm not making any of this up, and I have to acknowledge and abide for it. As high truth came manifested in me, I realized that in the year 2000, I had a near-death experience myself. But I didn't see it at the time because again, I kept believing in the medical field. And I saw the light to learn how perception works, but I didn't see it at the time. Let me explain. What happened to me when the year 2002 is that I was waking up like every other day. But this time when I opened my eyes, I see that everything is kind of white. And when I closed my eyes, everything was equally kind of white. But I wasn't going blind. It's just that it was like a veil. That it was, while in my physical life, as when I was closing my eyes, I was seeing the same whiteness. And as I felt that presence, I realized that I was being taken like to the other side, but I felt in total peace, of course, because i already been there. I knew where I was going and I wasn't worried, I wasn't concerned, I wasn't anything. A very good way to, or a good analogy to, to help you understand what I'm trying to explain is like, imagine that you have a balloon full of air and you're holding the tip of that balloon And you have, on your other hand, a balloon with no air. And you put them together and you transfer the air from one balloon to the other. That's exactly how it felt. I felt like my physical life was diminishing as my ethereal life was blooming. Like it was just a smooth comfort. When suddenly I hear this voice in the very, very far end. And it says, no, you cannot do this to me. You cannot leave me alone. That was my wife. And whatever was pulling me, just let me go. And I just went and transitioned back again into my physical world. The first thing that I remember when I went into consciousness is that the paramedics were already there. And I heard one of them saying that my blood pressure was extremely low. In the medical field, if I would have gone to the other side, they would have said that I died from a heart attack, which I just was shifting from one place to the other. And that experience was given to me for me to understand and learn how perception works. And this is something I explain in full detail on my life lectures, but uh, today I don't have the tools to explain this as I should. So, but if you follow my work, you can see one of those videos uh, where I explain how perception works. But basically is to help you understand why so many people see so many different things. One see angels, others see God, one see the tunnel, another one see a pathway. In my case, in 1979, I didn't see anything, but I was in the void. And in this occasion, through this near-death experience, I just transferred from one place to the other through a white veil. And this is a problem with near-death experience that nobody gets, I mean, there's no consensus as as of what's on the other side. And it never will be because everything is measured by the way you perceive things based on your beliefs, uh, your understanding of things. And this is something from the human perceptive mind. After the year 2002, another flash of live review came to me when in the year 2010, a prophecy was given to me. Now, this one I did catch it, but I didn't know what to do with it. And it happened this way. In the year 2010, my wife wanted to learn how to meditate. That's something that I struggled for so long because I wasn't able to meditate. As hard as I tried, I was never able to meditate, And I, although I wanted to for many years. So there was an advertisement of uh, someone nearby that was giving free classes of meditation. So my wife asked me if I would be interested, and I said, sure, you know, why not? So we went there, and after a few words from the teacher, we had about 10-15 minutes of meditation practice in which he asked us to close our eyes and start meditating. He put a very, very smooth music in the background. And when the time was done, he had this little chim, I don't know how do you call it, that goes cling, and you know, meditation is over. So that very first time. I said, okay, let's give it a try. So I went to meditate and I closed my eyes, waiting for that moment to come and cling. It, nothing happened. Of course, I knew that nothing was going to happen. So it comes the second time. The second time, following week, my wife wanted to go to class again. I said, okay, I'll go with you. Let's practice. So the same thing happened. I closed my eyes. I, I waited for that moment that I could meditate. It never came up. Ding. Okay, a second time. Let's keep going. You know, I I'm, I'm just I was just trying to please my wife. And here comes the third time, you know, when people say that the third is the charm. That day, the teacher gave his words. Then we started meditating. So I closed my eyes, waiting for that moment that never came when suddenly five seconds I didn't say five minutes I said five seconds before that little thing came out I went into a spiral and when I touched bottom an inner voice told me from now on you're not going to learn from outside sources and moving forward you're going to learn from within Cling. I was so furious because I have tried to meditate for so long, and now you're waiting for the last moment to give me this message, and now I cannot go back into meditation. I was furious. I was furious. Although I didn't know what it meant, I did pay attention this time. This time it caught my attention. So I stopped reading anything that uh, pertained to everything that i had been reading about spirituality trying to get to nowhere because i wasn't getting answers and uh what was prophesized on 2010 came to pass on july 7 2011 when the spirit of light manifested through my son's voice to remind me of an agreement that took place in 1979 in return for my life now this I can explain without having to go back to memory lane or a life review. What happened to me was that that day I was with my 20 year old son at the time. He was going to college. It was a summer day of July and he was on school break, summer break. My wife happened to be traveling from work. And my youngest daughter, she was in one of those people-to-people study abroad, and she stayed out for about a couple of weeks. And I was having time alone with my 20-year-old son. We That evening, we had uh, our favorite meal. We have a good conversation, and when it was time to call it the night, I told my son, to, uh, good night, my son. I gave him the usual hug. And at that moment, my son said, wait, Dad, hold on a second. I want you to listen to a piece of music that I love to, to listen because it relaxed me a lot. I was kind of tired, but something compelled me to say, sure, why not? So let me go to the restroom and I'll, I'll be back. Okay. So I went to the restroom. And when I came back, I already heard from distance that he already had his music on in his laptop. And as I approached his room, I just stood up at the frame, at the door frame, because I saw him against the wall on the opposite wall, and he was with his eyes closed and moving his head rhythmically. I didn't get it into the room at that moment when suddenly his, he said, Look, Dad, how beautiful. I can see orbs all over the place. It is so beautiful. And that's when it caught my attention, because how can you be seeing that with your eyes closed? You're moving your head rhythmically, and you're not supposed to know that I'm already here at the doorframe. So I approached him to confirm, and yes, indeed, he has his eyes closed, telling me that, and then he said, But we are one. And at that moment, I thought that he was making a joke on me or something like that. And I said, What do you mean we're one? And that's when his voice turned unemotional. And he said, Because we're one. I still thought at that point that he was making a prank of me or something like that. And I asked, And how did all begin? And then he started answering that question in a way that I couldn't get a straight answer. So I shifted to ask the same question in another way, but I still was getting the same answer. And I tried it again, and I was still getting the same answer. What I was trying to do is get my son to get him out of balance so I so he can say, ha ha, I fooled you or something like that. I was just trying to see if I can, but I didn't dare to touch him. I don't know why I didn't. But then I realized that his answers were on point. And my son didn't have that knowledge, or at least the knowledge that I had of things from beside the religious uh, beliefs that we implanted in them for being Catholics. And that's when I realized that I was not talking to my son, that I was talking to, with something or someone more advanced, more powerful, something that I could not understood, but I just kept asking questions and I kept getting answers. So I kept asking questions so I could get more answers. So I kept asking and asking and asking, up to the point that I realized that I was, as I was formulating the next question in my head, I was already getting the answer. And that really bogged the heck out of me. And that's when I burst in courage and I said, so what am I doing here? And let me remind you that my son was sitting down. I was all the time standing up, And at that moment, when I asked, what am I doing here? That's when my son stood up, turned towards me, opened his eyes, and very energetically, he said, don't you remember that you and I agreed to come down for me to come down here to help for you to help me do my job? Then he closed his eyes, turned around sat down and began to move his head rhythmically and that's when i just surrender because I was beyond me one last word that that entity told me before it departed stuck on my head up to today because i said after that i was still kind of Confused, and I said, do I have to go through all this trouble to help you? And he replied, it's part of it. We are one. And as you help me, you advance. When everything was finished and done, I asked my son, do you remember what just happened? And he said, yes, I remember every bit of it. And I asked, so what do you make of it? And said, I don't know. It just happened. Later on, I asked him, Do you remember when you stood up and you told me, No, I don't remember that part. So imagine the energy that 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 entity must have had to put my son to the side, to stand up, open his eyes, and tell me directly to me the message that I was about to receive. And that's something that I will never forget. Neither will my son. The following morning, I wake up, I woke up with this urge to write. But I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer and I don't like writing and that's not my thing but I felt compelled to open my laptop and to write something. And as I open my laptop and I start typing, not knowing where to start, that's when I realized that I was typing verbatim, what took place that evening, the day before, word by word by word. To be honest with you, I have to call this automatic writing because I do not have that ability to write. Neither the ability to recall every single word as I did in that moment. And that information, it's in my my website, which I will explain at the end of this conversation that we are having today. The following evening and subsequent evenings, I began to wake up between 1 and 3 a.m. in the mornings to, let's say, download information that was so easy for me to understand, yet so complex, but I understood every single bit of it because what I was receiving was like the intent rather than the thought. The intent precedes the thought, which has no words. And I had to put the words into it, knowing exactly what I was getting. And I started writing them down. But because I was too sleepy, I just chose to start recording. And that's when I realized, much later, that what I was told in 2010, that I was going to learn from within, that's exactly what was happening. I was learning everything from within. And every single night I kept doing the same thing until the moment that I said, I cannot take this anymore. You had to, I mean, whatever it is that is talking to me, we, we need to make uh, something out because I cannot, I mean, I'm going to be burned. And uh, we shifted to daytime and then that's that's another story later on. But at, at a given point, I ask, you know, I mean, if you're going to be channeling you want to know who you're channeling. So I ask, who are you? What is this that I'm doing? What is this, this thing that is happening to me? Who are you? How? Who am I channeling? And the answer that I received was these specific words. Name-calling limits the source through reasoning. Rather say that it comes from the collective forces of knowledge and wisdom. Notice the peculiarity of those words. kind of not easy to understand because it can be put in in different wording to make it easier to understand, but that's the way it came out. Name-calling limits the source through reasoning. Rather say that it comes from the collective forces of knowledge and wisdom. Let me explain. Name-calling. If I am called by one name, Let's say Archangel Michael, for example. If I get this name, I am the source. I will be limiting myself through the reasoning that you will have from what that archangel might be talking about. In other words, again, let's say Archangel whatever. If I give him that name, An archangel will not be talking about reincarnation. Therefore, name-calling limits the source through reasoning. And that's how it's understood, by the way they express themselves. Then I ask, in another occasion I I ask, what is higher truth? I mean, I keep saying to myself about higher truth, about higher truth being granted to me, but I really don't know what higher truth means. I know that I'm getting this information, and I know that it's higher truth, but I don't have a definition for higher truth. So what is this? And that's when they took me. And when I say they, it's because I learned to recognize that it's more than one who bring this information forward. For us, So I was taken back through a flash of, of memory recall to my days when I was in first grade and it, they put me in this position exactly the very same day my first grade math teacher said class today you're going to learn the foundations of all the numbers today you're going to learn to count from one to ten. That day, I was very eager to learn all the numbers because I understood that if I learned to count from one to 10, which were the basics of all the numbers, I was going to be able to understand everything the adults were talking about numbers. So I memorized those 10 numbers from one to 10 to recite it at class the following day. And I did it flawlessly. And I was very proud of what I did. But deception came in the following day when the teacher said, class, today we're going to learn to count from 10 to 20. That's what I said. Wait wait, wait a minute. Uh, So what, what was it that? That's higher truth. First, I needed to learn to count from 1 to 10 before I could learn to count from 10 to 20. The basic of all the numbers was a misunderstanding because I didn't know that, I did not know that higher truth. And higher truth gets you from point A to point B, then to point C. In other words, I needed to learn to count numbers before I could learn to add and subtract, before I could learn to divide and multiply, before I could get to algebra. That is higher truth. One step closer to the ultimate truth. But we're not there yet. Then I asked, how am I going to call this, all this information that I'm getting? And I got this image of a very old parchment. I mean, old as old can be. And the word transcript came about. Today, I am the transcriber of the transcript, which are insights of higher truth that I receive from a group of what I might call Ascended Masters regarding the purpose and origin of life as I receive, proceed, and transcribe from those who rather be called the collective forces of knowledge and wisdom with one difference, and is that the message is coming forward without theological ties this time around. Today, I have transcribed over 500 transcripts and counting. The transcript can be read on my website, thetranscript.org. If you subscribe to the transcript page, I will give you access to that first transcript, the one that started everything. It explained the origin, purpose of life, and our ultimate goal in ways that I was able to understand back then with the limited information that I had. It is very simplified in nature And it is very, very rudimentary compared to all the information that I started receiving and that you can read over the transcript. Therefore, before I go, I'm going to leave you with a message that I was asked by this group of collective forces to share with you as the foundation of the transcripts and what we need to understand from the very beginning. And it reads as follows. This is a message from the Collective Forces of Knowledge and Wisdom. If we ever understand that we are one infinite mind, endlessly expanding through the physical and spiritual realm, limitless, then we will understand that the physical world is only an illusion. Let me explain this through a little bit of higher truth. And I repeat, if we ever understand that we are one infinite mind, it doesn't mean that I am one infinite mind and you are one infinite mind and he is one infinite mind and she is an infinite mind. It means that we all are one infinite infinite mind endlessly expanding through the physical and spiritual realm limitless as one infinite mind therefore we're one and that's my message for today I leave you with that thank you for sharing time with me and I hope to see you soon thank you